me. I've got notes written down and a lot of things to go over tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be attentive. Lord, help our hearts to be open. Help us to be able to uh, just uh, learn from the Scriptures, Lord. Learn from the Bible. And that you would bless the time we have as we study your word. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well last week we started a brand new book of the Bible, and last week we started preaching through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Matthew. And if you remember last week, we dealt with the first 17 verses, which is all the chronology of Jesus Christ. Were you amazed how many things you could learn from a chronology about Bible and doctrine? It's amazing, and it's interesting to me, because most preachers that preach through books of the Bible always skip the chronologies. They just say, oh, let's not go through that. And But you'd be surprised if you just studied and learned how much you could learn from a chronology in Scripture. And it's in there for a reason. And, and we saw last week, all Scripture is in, given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. So don't skip that when you're reading through the Bible. Make sure you read that, alright? You want to be able to say, I've read the Bible cover to cover. And if you've read the Bible cover to cover, you need to read those chronologies. They're there for a reason. But tonight, we'll continue on with the second part of Matthew chapter 1. And it's getting into the Matthew... The, the latter part of Matthew 1 is definitely part of the Christmas story. Although what's normally known as the Christmas story is Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter number 2. But there's a couple of things that we can learn from the story. And it's kind of... Tonight's going to be very much a Bible study. And I know that's what we are supposed to be doing. And really, every service at Verity Baptist Church is a Bible study. But tonight's going to be a, a, a Bible study. So you have to put on your, your thinking caps, alright? And follow along with me. But I want you to notice two things that we can learn in the second part of this passage. From Matthew uh, chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. There are two things that, that we can learn. Now the first one, alright, and let's see if this gets you in the mode of Christmas. The first thing we can learn about is divorce. Divorce. And this passage is actually a very interesting passage and a very informative passage when it comes to what God thinks about divorce. Now, let me give this disclaimer because sometimes I preach about divorce and people get upset. Uh, well, people get upset at me all the time for when I preach. But sometimes people, they get this idea and they say, well, I'm divorced and pastor's preaching that just for me. Okay? Newsflash. 60% of our society is divorced. Okay? 60% of Christians are divorced. Probably 60% of the people in this room are divorced, okay? So I'm not preaching it for you. It's Matthew chapter 1. It's where we're at. But we can learn from it. And I want you to understand a few things about what God says about divorce. And, and some of this may be completely new to some of you. But look at verse number 18, alright? Let's just start in verse 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother, Mary, was... And I want you to make note of this word espouse to Joseph, alright? Now, a lot of people will teach that Mary and Joseph were engaged, that Mary and Joseph were planning on getting married, but they'll say that they were not married, okay? Mary and Joseph, what you need to understand about this passage, the Bible teaches that Mary and Joseph were married. They were husband and wife. Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Okay? If I said to you, I'd like to introduce you to my spouse. Okay? What am I saying? I'm saying, this is my wife. The word spouse means either member of a married pair in relation to one another. So, a spouse could be a husband, a spouse could be a wife. If I said, I'd like to introduce you to my spouse, does that mean I'm introducing you to my girlfriend? No. Does that mean I'm introducing you to my fiancé? No. I'm introducing you to my wife. Okay? The Bible says that Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. And she was found with the with child of the Holy Ghost. Now you got to realize how... You know, don't just read that and, and realize that here you have this young man who is a godly man, Joseph... And this young lady, who obviously is a godly young lady, chosen to carry the Messiah. And they're, they're, they, they come in marriage, alright? And Joseph finds out that Mary, that Mary is pregnant. I mean, obviously, what is he thinking? You know? Verse 19. But I want, you, I want you to notice that they were married. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her boyfriend. Is that what it says? No. Joseph, her fiancé. Is that what it says? No. Joseph, her husband. They were married. 
being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Skip down to verse 20. We're going to preach through every uh, book. Well, look at verse 20. I'm sorry. And I want you to see this. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Do you see that? I'm just proving to you that at this point, Mary and Joseph are married. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Skip down to verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Do you see that? Okay, so throughout the passage we're told, it's his wife, it's her husband, they're a spouse, these people are married, alright? They're not engaged, they're not planning on getting married, they're not boyfriend and girlfriend, they're not real serious, they are husband and wife. You need to understand, if you're going to understand the lesson tonight, Mary and Joseph were already married. Alright? Number two, you need to understand this. Not only Mary and Joseph were married, but Mary and Joseph had not yet consummated the marriage. Okay? Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, now notice this phrase, before they came together. Okay? You got to understand this. God is a clean God. He is not vulgar. He does not use vulgar words like we would use in our society today. God is letting us know here, this man and this woman were married, but they had not yet consummated the marriage. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Okay? The word consummate means to complete the union of a marriage by coming together physically. Alright? Skip down to verse number uh, 25. Matthew 1.25, let me prove to you again that they had not yet physically known each other. They had not yet physically been together. Verse 25, and knew her, talking about Joseph and Mary, and knew her not, so she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, the Bible says that Joseph knew her not. He did not know Mary until she had brought forth her firstborn son. Okay, that term knew her, or the term come together, is God letting us, is how God is talking about the relationship, the physical relationship between a man and a woman. you got to understand, God is not a vulgar God. God does not talk about the things that happen in the bedroom. God uses these terms to let us know. Now let me prove to you that knew her is what that term is talking about. Go to the book of Genesis, okay? Keep your finger there, Matthew. We're coming back to it. But go to Genesis chapter number 4, okay? Throughout the Bible, you will find <clears throat> that God will use this term to uh, talk about a physical relationship between a man and a woman. And don't let Hollywood brainwash you into thinking it's okay to use these type of, types of terms and terms. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, you know, there's things in the Bible that are kind of, you know, uh, weird and should we be saying, you know, uh, Brother Graham and I were having a conversation. Judges 19 on Sunday night is a very uh, violent chapter in the Bible. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read it. I mean, but you know what? It's the Word of God. And you know what God, the Bible says that His words are clean. His words are holy. And if you know, if you read Genesis 19, you'll see that God gets the point across without being vulgar. But go to Genesis chapter 4. Let me prove my point. Genesis chapter 4, look at verse 1. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, And Adam knew Eve. Okay? He said, well, did they just meet? No. We're already in Genesis chapter 4. Okay? And Adam knew Eve as wife. Now notice what happened when he knew her. And she conceived. Do you see that? So that term, to knew, to know or newer, is a reference to the physical relationship. Adam knew Eve's wife, and when Adam knew her physically, she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have found a man from the Lord. Are you with me? Allow the Bible book to be its own dictionary. Allow the Bible to be its own commentary. If you say, well, what does that term new mean? Just look it up in Scripture, it'll become very clear. Go back to Matthew chapter 1. So here's what you need to understand, okay? Number one, Mary and Joseph were married. Number two, Mary and Joseph had not yet at this time consummated the marriage. They had not come together physically. Now you've got to understand this. The, the, the culture of the Bible days is different than our culture. Okay? When we think of a marriage, we think of, a, you know, people set a date, they have a ceremony, and then that night they go off on their honeymoon, and they consummate the marriage. That's how it works in our culture. It was not like that in the Bible times. I'm not going to sit here and try to, uh, you know, act 
act like I understand how all of that worked, because I don't, and let me tell you something, probably nobody does, okay? But here's the thing, we know that in those days, and and, uh, keep this in mind, okay? Do you remember a few weeks ago when we were uh, studying the life of Samson on the book of Judges? Okay. Now, I understand that Judges and Matthew are many hundreds, thousands of years have gone by. But even in Samson's marriage, do you remember how we talked about how Samson got married and the whole ceremony, the whole wedding lasted seven days? Do you remember that? Because remember, he set forth a riddle and they had seven days. And remember, Samson never consummated that marriage. Because remember, he, he left mad and then he came back with the purpose of going in unto his wife and she had already been given to another man. Do you remember the story? Okay, so we just got to understand this. In those Bible times, their, their marriage ceremonies were different than ours. I mean, their parties lasted, Samson's lasted seven days. And, and, and so they would have a ceremony and they would make vows before God and God would consider them married. But oftentimes they would not consummate that marriage that same night. Okay, that's where we find Mary and Joseph. They are married, yes, but they have not yet consummated marriage. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? Go back to Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 19. And, and I said all that to, to get into this point, and this is what I want you to understand, okay? Matthew 1, 19. You're going to learn something tonight that most pastors are confused about. You're going to learn something tonight that most Bible college professors are confused about. You're going to learn something tonight that most Bible scholars are confused about. Because, unfortunately, most pastors and most Bible college professors and most Bible scholars do everything and read everything and study everything except the Bible. Uh, so, we'll study the Bible and you'll figure it out, okay? Look at Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 19, alright? Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Do you see the words just man there? Okay? Does it sound like Joseph's a bad guy? No. Joseph's a good guy. Joseph's a righteous man. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. Now, I don't have time to develop this, write this down, you study this out on your own if you don't believe me, but that term, to put away, or put away, that is the Bible uh, word, for, uh, it's another way that the Bible uses the, our modern word divorce. And the Bible does use the word divorce, but to put someone away is what we would call a divorce, alright? And you study that in scripture, it'll be very clear, I don't have time to go through the references and show you that because i got other things to show you, but if you want to look that up, study it on your own, when someone gets put away, they are getting a divorce, okay? Now, Joseph was minded to put her away privately. Okay? Here we find Joseph considering divorcing Mary. How would that mess up the Christmas story? You know what I mean? I mean, that would kind of put a, a whole wrench in the whole thing. Now, here's what you got to understand, okay? Put away means divorce. Now, Joseph is considering divorcing, but notice the good light that Joseph has put in. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now, let me tell you something, and you've got to listen to me very carefully. Okay? Don't take one phrase out of context. Listen to everything I have to say about this subject. God is generally against divorce. But there is one time in Scripture... That God allows divorce. One time. And this, is, and this is what we learned about here with Joseph and Mary. Now before some of you start getting too excited, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Because it's not your time. More than likely. It's not your, it's not that, it doesn't say that Joseph was minded to put her away because they had grown apart. Is that what it says? No. He didn't know if he loved her anymore. That's not what it says. Okay? Go to Deuteronomy 22. Deuteronomy 22. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Let me, let me show you this, and you can learn this from Scripture. The Bible allows for divorce under one circumstance, under one requirement, okay? Now, there's one allowance of divorce, okay? And, and let me just explain it to you, and then we're going to get into the passages. This is the only time God would allow for divorce. If a man and a woman got married, made vows before God, but did not consummate the marriage, okay? This is what makes a biblical marriage. Vows and consummation. Does that make sense? Vows and a couple coming together. If you come together with no vows, that's not a marriage. That's called fornication. And if you have vows and never come together, that's not a marriage either, okay? What makes a marriage a biblical marriage is vows and coming together, alright? Now, Mary and Joseph had vowed. 
husband and wife. But they had not yet come together. So Joseph, being a just man, and understanding the Bible, knew what Deuteronomy 22 taught. Okay, go to Deuteronomy 22, look at verse 13. I want you to get this, right? If any man take a wife, alright, and go in unto her. So he takes a wife, and he goes in unto her. What's the Bible telling us? He's going in to have a physical relationship with her. But when he does that, now he hates her, okay? Why does he hate her? Because he finds out that she's not a virgin. He finds out that she's been with other people. Verse 14. And give occasion of speech against her. And bring up an evil name upon her. And say... Now notice what he says. I took this woman. And when I came into her, I found her not a maid. Okay? Let me give you something else. I don't have time to develop it. You study this out on your own. The word maid in our King James Bible means virgin. Okay? That's what the word means. You study out the scripture, you'll find that a maid is a virgin. So this guy takes a wife, he goes in unto her, but when he goes in to have a physical relationship with her, he hates her. Why does he hate her? Well, he hates her because he came in unto her and found her not a maid. He found her not a virgin. Verse 15. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity. Say, what is that talking about? I'll be honest with you, I don't know and I don't want to know, okay? You can study that on your own if you want. But the damsel... So, so the, you understand what's going on here? The guy says, hey, I married this girl, and when I went in unto her, I found her not a maid. She was not a virgin. Verse 15, Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city and the gates. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hated her. And lo, he hath given occasion of speech against her saying, I found not thy daughter a maid. And yet, these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. And the elders of the city shall take the man and chastise him. And they shall immerse him in an hundred shekels of silver, and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. Right? Do you see how he's been calling her a maid, a maid, now he calls her a virgin? See how the Bible just defined itself for us? Okay? An evil name upon the virgin of Israel. And she, now notice, she shall be his wife. He may not put her away all his days. Okay, so here we have a guy who's accusing, he marries this girl, and then he gets cold feet. And he's like, I don't want to be married to this girl. So he accuses her, he says, I went in unto her, and she's not a virgin. So then they, they go to the elders of the city. The dad has to bring these tokens of her virginity. If they can prove that she was a virgin, then guess what? The guy was not allowed to divorce her. But if he was married and not yet come together and found that she wasn't a virgin, then she was, he was allowed to divorce her. Uh, look, look at verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 20. Now notice what happens. This is not a life deal in, in Scripture. By the way, fornication, which is having a physical relationship outside of marriage, is never light in the eyes of God. Notice what he does in verse 20. But if the thing be true, so this guy, it's true. This girl is not a virgin. And the tokens of the uh, virginity be not found for the damsel. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of the father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die. Did you just catch that? God just commanded that you put a young woman away for being a whore. That you, not that you put her away good night, that you put her to death. We do not live under Old Testament rule, but let me tell you something. These are the laws of God. God so hates the sin of fornication that He put the death penalty on it. Because she hath brought folly in Israel to play the whore. Notice what it says. I didn't write this. This is God. To play the whore in her father's house, so shalt thou put evil away from one you. Imagine if we followed the, the Old Testament rules today. How many teenagers would be dead? Now you got to understand this, okay? The Bible teaches, that, there, and I'm not advocating we do this. Obviously, we live under the laws of the United States of America. We do not live under those law, the Old Testament laws. But let me tell you something. There is coming a day, uh, so there's something called the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus Christ will reign upon this earth for a thousand years. 
And I'm here to tell you that when Jesus Christ reigns upon this earth, these are the laws we will live by. That's right. And there will be unbelievers living on this earth, and I'm sure God will put them to death for fornication. Fornication is not something to play with. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Now let me explain this to you, okay? And I want you to understand this. If a man and a woman get married, they vow. Before they consummate the marriage, if one of them finds that the other one was not a virgin, okay, then they were allowed to get a divorce. There was two ways to deal with this, publicly and privately. If the guy hates her after he finds out that she's been unfaithful, and he has this spirit of just, you know, revenge, then he can make this public ordeal about it. Go to the dad said, your, your wife, your, your daughter's not a virgin. They take it to the elders and they put the girl to death. But there was a way to deal with the, su- with the same subject, if the guy said, look, this isn't what I signed up for, I, real, I, I don't want to be married to her, she's not a virgin, but I don't want her put to death. There was, a day to, there was a way to deal with the same situation privately. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Now you say, well, how do they find out that they were not a virgin? There, look, let me tell you something. It, and I'm not trying to be weird or vulgar myself, okay? But if, if a girl says she's a virgin... And a guy says, I'm a virgin. They decide to get married. The guy goes in to, to have a relation with her. And, and you know, there's a such thing as, you know, STDs that can be seen. Do you understand that? And, and, and that's why, uh, and I'm, I'm, sharing, I'm sharing that with you because in Deuteronomy 24.1, that'll make sense. Look at Deuteronomy 24.1. When a man had taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that she find no favor in his eyes. Why does he find no favor in his eyes? Because he had found some uncleanness in her. Do you see that? Okay. He's found a disease in her. He married her, he goes in, and he's like, whoa, you're not a virgin. Okay, that's what it's saying. When a man has taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that he finds no favor in his eyes, because he has found some uncleanness in her, then let him, look what it says, write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. Now notice, notice what happens, verse 2. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Okay? Why can she go and be another man's wife? Here's why she can go and be another man's wife. Because they were never actually completely married because he never consummated the marriage. Do you understand that? That's the only time in Scripture that God allows for divorce. Go back to Matthew chapter 1. Christians like to run around today. I have grounds for divorce. Why? Because um, he, he's mean to me. She doesn't clean. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Look, the Bible says there's one time that you can get a divorce scripturally in, script, in the Bible and do it right and God will be okay with it is if you marry someone and before you have a physical relationship you realize, wow, this girl is not a virgin. This guy is not a virgin. And you say, I want out. And God said, I'll allow you to do that. That's the only time. Alright? Does that work for the most marriages that end in divorce in the United States of America? No, they do not. Most people go to bed before they're even married. So you already threw that out of the window. Okay? This is not... I am not preaching that divorce is okay. I'm preaching to you the Bible and telling you there's one time that God allows for it. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 1. Look at verse 19. Remember, there was a public way and a private way. The private way was you wrote a bill of divorce, you sent her away, and she could be married to another man. You just said, forget about it, let's just act like this never happened, and she could go marry someone else. If the guy had a hard heart, and got angry and mad about it, he could do it publicly, and that girl would be put to death. Okay? Let's see why the Bible says that Joseph was a just man. Matthew 1.19, look what it says. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, now notice what it says. And not willing to make her a public example. Not willing to have Mary put to death. Was minded. Now the word minded means he's thinking about it. He hasn't made a decision. He hasn't decided yet. But he's thinking about putting her away privately. Privately. Do you see that? you got to understand this. Joseph is a man like any other man. He's got this beautiful young girl. They, he spent all this money, you know, uh, building a house and getting things ready. They had their ceremony. They got married. They did their vows. They have not yet come together. And now it's like, hey, Mary's pregnant. And yet, you don't see him getting mad. You don't see him getting upset. You don't see him being vengeful. He's not saying, put that girl to death. He's saying, wow. 
He's like, I'm, I'm considering getting a divorce because he could scripturally do it. But he said, if, if I do it, I don't, I don't want to make a public example of it. He said, I, I want to do it privately. That shows a lot about the character of Joseph. It really does. Go to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7. So there's one way to scripturally, righteously get out of a marriage. And that is if you get divorced before you consummate the marriage. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. There is another way to scripturally get out of a marriage. You say, what is that? Go to Romans chapter number 7. Look at verse 1. Romans chapter number 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Remember what we were preaching about in the book of Judges? The last couple of weeks? Most Christians really don't care what the Bible says. Most Christians don't want to hear the sermon. They don't want to know what God thinks about divorce. Because they've already made up their mind what they're going to do. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. What's the other biblical way of getting out of a marriage? Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren... For I speak of them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man, as long as he liveth. Verse 2. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Okay? So how else can you get out of a marriage? Through death. That's why you say, for better or worse, sickness, health, rich or poor, till death do us part. That's a vow that you made to God. And God says, when you're married, you are bound to your spouse until death. Unless you're in some sort of a weird marriage where you said the vows, but you waited a week to consummate the marriage or whatever. If that's you, then praise the Lord for it, alright? But that's not the average marriage in America today, alright? You need to understand this. The only other way to get out of marriage is through that, okay? Divorce and remarriage, though. So you say, well, I get divorced and I'm just going to go ahead and marry somebody else. What does God call that? God calls that adulterer. Look at verse 3 again. Romans chapter 7, verse 3. So that if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man. Okay? You got to understand this. God does not acknowledge divorce. You say, well, I got a divorce in the state of California. God doesn't care about the state of California. Amen. Well, I was married to so-and-so, now I'm not married. As far as God is concerned, you're still married to so-and-so. You're, you say, well, I've been married 17 times. You got 17 husbands, sweetheart. That's what the Bible says. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Because guess what? To sleep with another man while you're married to, to another person is adultery. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Go to Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 31. Jesus thought of, taught this himself. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Matthew 5, 31. Matthew 5.31 It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife. Okay, that's divorce. And this is Jesus preaching, by the way. If you got a red letter edition Bible, these letters are in red. These actually came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Let's see if Jesus preached like the namby-bamby preachers of today. The preachers of today I don't want to deal with. They, you know, all these preachers. We, we want to preach like Jesus. We just want to preach positive. Je you know, I want to preach like Jesus. So I'm preaching on divorce because that's what Jesus preached about. Go to Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 31. Tell me Jesus is preaching about divorce. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Jesus say, This is what you people say. And guess what? That's what they say today. You talk to your, you know, your friends, your co-workers. You deserve a better man. You deserve a better woman. No, you don't. You married that. You married that guy. You married that girl. Nobody made you marry them. Verse 32, But I say unto you, Jesus said, This is what they say. Now what does Jesus say? But I say unto you, That whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication. Okay, what does fornication mean? Fornication is when people that are not married have physical relationships together. 
Okay? People like to use this verse. They'll say, my wife committed adultery on me. So, according to this verse, I can get, I can get, uh, I, I can get divorced. Adultery is not fornication. Amen. You understand that? Someone has a physical relationship while they're married, God calls that adultery. Someone has a physical relationship when they're not married, God calls that fornication. Joseph, you know, obviously Mary was with child of the Holy Ghost. But if Mary had been with child because she was playing a whore, like the Bible says in Deuteronomy, okay, that would have not been her committing adultery, that would have been her committing fornication. Do you understand that? Jesus said, because Jesus understood Deuteronomy 24. Jesus understood Leviticus. Jesus understood what the Bible taught. So he said, whosoever should put away his wife, saving the cause of fornication. He's saying, you know, the situation that Joseph was in. Causes her to commit adultery. God says, if you put away your wife, you are causing her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committed adultery. You say, well, I'm not divorced, but I'm going to marry so-and-so who has been divorced. According to the Bible, you're committing adultery. Because you're married. And by the way, this is why the Bible teaches that a man cannot be a pastor if he's been divorced. Because one of the qualifications of being a pastor is being the husband of one wife. And people like to say, they say, well, God means the husband of one wife at a time. Are you an idiot? The Bible does not, because in those days there was polygamy. Look, if he meant at a time, he would have said at a time. He said the husband of one wife. And he says, if you marry a woman, if you get a divorce and you marry another woman, he says, you're so, here, look, understand this. If I divorce my wife and I go and marry some other woman, according to God, I am now the husband of two women. Because he does not acknowledge divorce. So I disqualified myself from the ministry. And let me tell you something. Most pastors today are divorced. Because you say, well, why is that? Because it goes back to the lesson in Judges. People don't care what the Bible says. They want to go to church. They want to listen to music that makes them feel good. They want a guy to stand up and say, oh, look, you're on your third marriage. That's okay. God loves you. They want to feel like they're good. They don't, want, they don't care what the Bible says. But you know what? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that either causes her to commit adultery, whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. I'm going to marry somebody and I'm divorced. That's adultery. And by the way, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, Pastor Jimenez performs no weddings for people that have been divorced. Because I'm not going to proceed or preside over adultery. Don't even invite me. I'm not going. Okay? You say, do you hate people that are divorced? Like, I don't hate people that are divorced. Mostly everyone's divorced. But I'm still going to preach the Bible. Say, well, well, Pastor Jimenez, don't you understand? 60% of people in society are divorced. You can't preach this way. The Bible says it, so it's true. And I'm not trying to hurt you if you've been divorced, but look, I'm trying to rescue a generation of young people. You're going to say, well, I've been, I've been divorced, so I don't like it that you preach on it. Look, my kids have never been divorced. They need to hear it. Your kids have never been divorced. They need to hear it. We got young people here that are single. They need to understand what they're getting into before they get married. You expect me to not preach something because you've done... Look, if I didn't preach every sin that everyone's done, I couldn't preach anything. I don't like it that you preach the things that I've done. You're not a saint. You've done a whole lot of things. I mean, you're trying to cut out like half the Bible. Good night. People say, oh, Pastor, can you just not preach my sins? Man, just, you know, just, just, let's forget it. Let's just go home. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You say, okay, Pastor Jimenez, well, I'm a believer. And I find myself in a divorce. What should I do? Well, let, let me say this. If you are divorced and you've been remarried, you say, Pastor Jimenez, what do I do? Is it the unforgivable sin? No. Are you going to kick me out of the church? No. I may kick you out of the church for fornication because my wife just says that. Amen. You say, well, what do, I, what do I do? I've been divorced and remarried. Well, here's what you do. Here's what you do with any sin. You ask God to forgive you and you never do it again. Just confess it to God. Say, God, it was wrong of me to do that. I, I did it. I didn't, maybe I didn't know it was wrong or maybe I didn't know it was wrong. I did it anyway. I ask you to forgive me and then never do it again. Stay with the one you're with. Okay? But here's the thing. What if you're... See, there's so many sides to this. What if you find yourself, you say, okay, Pastor Medes, I'm divorced, and I have not yet been remarried. What do I do? First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Here are your options. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. 
And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. This is what Paul is telling us. Do not depart from your husband. Now this is what people like to throw, they like to throw this in my face when I preach about divorce. Well, I know so-and-so and they were getting beaten. And listen to me, I am not minimizing a woman getting beaten. There is nothing lower than some guy who thinks he's tough beating up on a, on a female. Okay? But women say, say, well, so what about in a case where someone's been beaten? Okay? The Bible says, let not the wife depart from her husband. Look at verse 11, though. But, and if she departs. Look, if you got to depart, if you got to get out of there, say, Pastor Menace, if I don't get out of this, this marriage, I mean, I, I, he's, he's going to kill me. Okay? But and if she departs, God has made provision for you. He says, go ahead. But look what he says. Let her remain unmarried. Because God says you're married till death do you part. Say, Pastor Menace, I cannot live with this guy. I cannot live with this girl. I mean, if I stay here, he's going to kill me. That's fine. Go ahead and separate. But then you are choosing to remain unmarried for the rest of your life till that husband or that wife dies. Now, here's what people usually say to me. You expect me? To not be married for the rest of my life? Then it must not be that bad. Then you must not be that scared. It must not be as horrible as you're making it out to be. And, I, and I'll say this, and this is not politically correct, and you do what you want with it. And I'm not, I'm not advocating women getting beat, and it's wrong for women to get beat. And if some sucker is coming home drunk and beating you, man, that guy ought to be uh, hung at, uh, on the street. Amen. I mean, that guy should get, should get beat to death. But let me, let me say this on that note though. Usually what women like to do is they find some guy they want to run off with and then they're like, do you remember that one time six years ago I was in the laundry room and you kind of bumped me and that, that kind of hurt. And, and so I'm, I'm going to get a divorce because you hit me. Yeah, right. So here's the thing. Okay. Well, he, he bumped into me three years ago. I'm really sprayed, so I need a divorce. Okay, well then remain unmarried. Well, I can't do that. Then it must have not have been that bad. And if it's that bad, well, you need to get divorced. Then remain unmarried. Those are your, here's your options. Let not a wife depart from her husband. Verse 11. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried. You say, well, I can't do that. You expect me the rest of my life to, to live alone. Then be reconciled to her husband. Is that what it says? Or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. Here are your options. Stay with them. Or remain unmarried. I can't remain unmarried. Then go back to your husband. He's going to kill me. Then remain unmarried. I, I don't know if it's worth it. You look, you got to make up your mind. Go to Matthew 19. Look at verse 5. Matthew 19, verse 5. Pastor Jimenez, do you, do you hate people that are divorced? And look, I don't hate anybody. And, and look, my job is to preach the Bible. My job is not to tell you what to do. You do what you want to do. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. You show up with your third husband. I'm going to treat them with respect. I'm going to try to get them saved. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love you. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not performing the wedding. And I'm not going to the wedding. And I'm dead sure not buying you a wedding gift. Okay? I'm keeping my toaster oven. Alright? Because it's not a scriptural marriage. That doesn't mean I hate you. That doesn't mean I won't minister to you. That doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means that we got to take a stand where the Bible stands. And most people say, well, I know that's what the Bible says. But I just, in my heart, I just feel, your heart is wicked. Your heart will deceive you. Go to Matthew 19. Jesus preached about this. Now, I want you to understand this, okay? Look what he says. Let's go back to what was the one time you can get a divorce in Scripture. The one time it was okay. You vowed a vow, but you did not consummate the marriage. And God says you're allowed to divorce, okay? But even that, even God says that's legit, that's legal, you're fine. He says, I'll give you that one. But even that, God says, look at Deuteronomy 19.5. And said, this is Jesus again preaching on marriage and divorce. He's, and that's just in the book of Matthew, okay? Matthew 19, 5. And said, okay, I want you to say, this is Jesus preaching, red letters. 
and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. Do you understand that? He said, when you come together in marriage, you are no more two, twain. He said, you are now one flesh. And it says, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. God says, you come together, God, I bring you together in marriage. He said, don't allow anyone to split that. Don't allow anybody to put that asunder. There is no reason for And by the way, let me just make this clear. In 1 Corinthians 7, the woman that left, she didn't divorce her husband. She just got out of there. And she remained unmarried. And when he died, she was no longer married to him because it's still that to part, and she could go marry someone else. Alright? But looking at Matthew 19, look at verse 7. They say unto him, now notice what they said unto him. Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? So see, they're referencing back what we read, and they're like, well, Moses said it was okay to get a divorce. Verse 8, And he saith unto them, notice what he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered, the word suffer means allowed, allowed you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, all right, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Okay, and here's what you got to understand, alright? Even here, Jesus says that He allowed you to put them away. He suffered you to put them away because of the hardness of your heart. Here, you know, people say, well, i got to get divorced. Why don't you try this? Forgiveness? That'd be good. Listen, Joseph, if you married this young lady Mary... And you loved her so much that you vowed to stay with her for the rest of your life. And now you find out she's pregnant. Now look, legitimately, he could have divorced her and it would have been fine. But even God said, that's the hardness of your heart. He says, if you love her, why don't you forgive her? Well, do you expect me to forgive so-and-so? She committed adultery and she did this. Or he committed adultery and he did that. Look, why don't you just try to forgive? The Bible says that God hates putting away. The Bible literally says that God hates divorce. You say, well, why does God hate divorce so much? God hates divorce because in the book of Ephesians, the Bible teaches us that the relationship between a husband and a wife pictures the relationship of Jesus Christ in the church. The husband represents Jesus, the wife represents the church. And when you and I get a divorce, God hates that so much. Because He's saying, you are taking the picture that I gave of my son dying on the cross and loving his wife, the church, loving you, gave his life for you, he, and, he, and he's married you, and, he, and now you're saying, here's what He said, you're ruining my picture, that's why God hates it. Because here's what I say, when I say I'm going to divorce my wife, I'm saying then that Jesus could divorce us. That's anti-eternal security. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus ever going to divorce you? No. Is there anything you could do that would cause you to, 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 you know, to, to, to lose your salvation? No. You commit adultery on Jesus all the time. You choose other things over Jesus all the time. You skip out on church to go to some football game or go to some over there or over here all the time. That's no different than a wife choosing another man over her husband. You, 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 you say, today I'm not going to read the Bible, I'm going to go do this. Guess what? You're not being faithful to your husband. Jesus doesn't divorce you. Jesus forgives you every time. What was the verse in the, in the bulletin? For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. That would be a good way to have your marriage. Ready to forgive. Every time. She wronged me, just be ready to forgive. He wronged me, just be ready to forgive. God hates divorce. But look, there's one time when it's allowed in Scripture. There's one time that I will acknowledge it and say it is. The Bible says it's fine. When a couple vows, but does not physically consummate the marriage, they can be divorced scripturally. God says that's okay. Every other time, it's sin, it's wrong, it's adultery. There's no, you, you say, well, I can't live with him. Then you leave and remain unmarried. But that's not what most people want to do. They want to leave and then they want to go find themselves another husband. Find themselves another wife. I'm here to tell you, it's adultery. It's wrong. It's sinful. 
But see, here's where you see, here's where you got to make the decision. Do I care what the Bible says? Because most Christians, I'm just saying right now, most Christians don't care what the Bible says. Go back to Matthew chapter one, look at verse twenty. Let's get off that subject. We learn two things in, in, in this in this passage. Okay, we learn number one about divorce. We learn number two about the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's get on a more positive thing. We'll go through this quickly. Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I'm sure Joseph was relieved. Oh, praise the Lord. She did not commit adultery, or she did not fornicate. She wasn't unfaithful to me. She is conceived of the Holy Ghost. Now notice this, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that's what the word Jesus means. The word Jesus means Savior. Okay? Now I want you to get this. It doesn't say that he will save his people from hell, although Jesus does save his people from hell. It says he will save his people from their sins. Because your sins have brought death and hell. You understand that? But it's further than just hell. God, Jesus has not only saved you from the consequences of sin. Hey, He saved you from sin itself. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live in sin. Jesus did not come to save you from hell. He came to save you from sin. He is the Savior of our sins. Verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... Remember what we talked about last week? The entire book of Matthew is to prove that Jesus is what? The Messiah and the King. And constantly we'll be going back to the Old Testament to prove that. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, so here we have a fulfilled prophecy of Jesus Christ. The prophet said this, Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That was his name. She's had multiple names. One of his names was Emmanuel. So why did they call him an Emmanuel? This is what the word Emmanuel means, which being interpreted, God with us. Now to us, Emmanuel sounds like a nice name, but for them, when they said, Hey Emmanuel, how are you doing? Here's what they were saying. Hey, God with us. That's what they were calling Jesus. Why were they calling Him God with us? Let me tell you why. Because He's God with us. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. we got to do this quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now you say, well, Pastor Manus, we know this. Look, there is an attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses, you say, the Jehovah's Witnesses are so nice, they come to my house, they talk to me. They do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Say, the Mormons, they come to my house, they're so nice, they talk to me all the time. They do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They believe that He was a God of many gods. They'll say He was a good person. They'll say He was a good prophet. They said He was a good teacher. Let me tell you something. Jesus was a good person. He was a good prophet. He was a good teacher. But above all that, He was God in the flesh. He is God. They shall call His name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. 1 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now look what it says. God was manifest in the flesh. The word manifest means that He was seen. God was seen in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on, uh, uh, in the world, received up to glory. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Actually, you know, we got to do this quickly. I'm, I'm already out of town. Uh, out of town. Good night. Out of time. I spent way too much time on that divorce thing. I just know how much everybody loves that type of preaching. First, Tim, uh, First John chapter 5. Go to First John chapter 5, okay? First John chapter 5, and then go to Revelation 22. First John chapter 5, Revelation 22. First John 5 and Revelation 22. Let's go to Revelation 22 first, okay? Revelation should be fairly easy to find. Last book in the New Testament, Revelation 22. Okay, this is what everybody always wants to say. How could Jesus be God if He's the Son of God? I had so many Jehovah's Witnesses say that to me. How can Jesus be the Son, the Son of God, if God is the Father and He's the Son? Okay, how did God part the Red Sea? I don't know. You just accept it by faith. But let me explain to you that the Bible does teach this. Revelation 22, look at verse 16. Revelation 22, 16. I, Jesus. Who's speaking here? 
That's pretty obvious, right? Are your letters in red? I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Now notice what Jesus is going to say. Jesus says, I am the root and the offspring of David. Isn't that what Matt is all about? Proving that he's the son of David? And the bright and morning star. Okay. Jesus is giving the analogy of a tree here, or of a plant. He says, I'm the offspring. That would be like the child. But he says, I'm the root. That would be like the father. Do you understand that? You, you say, well, how could you be the father and the son? How could you be the root of an apple tree and the apple that is produced by it? Can you explain that to me? I can't explain it to you, but that's what he said. Are you following what I'm saying? I am the root and the offspring. The word offspring means fruit. He says, I'm the root of the tree. I'm the beginning of the tree. I'm the source of the tree. And I also am what the tree produces. So people say, well, how can it be the father and the son? How can it be the root and the fruit? He's just God. Amen. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse 7. See, people that don't believe that, they don't believe the Trinity. That's their problem. 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse 7. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. I got, man, I got to hurry up. Good night. 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word. Now look, I don't have time to develop it. John chapter 1 proves that the Word is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It also proves that the Word is God. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. You got three people there. Alright? There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Amen. Say, how can the Father be the Son? How can the Son be the Spirit? I don't know how the, the Father... I do know this. There's God the Father, who's a separate person from God the Son, who's a separate person from God the Holy Ghost, and all three of those are the same person at the same time. Say, so can, you, can you explain to me? I can't explain to you. You just accept it by faith. Without faith it is possible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Go, to, go, go back to, to Revelation. Uh, good night. Uh, go, go to Revelation chapter 1. Just real quickly. We gotta, I, I, I got to do this. I just got to get, get these notes out so that we can move on. But I, I want you to understand this, okay? Let me give you another something else to think about. Mary was the mother of the physical body of Jesus. Please understand this. Mary was not the mother of God. How many of you have ever heard a Catholic say, Mary, Mother of God? Mary is not the Mother of God. Mary produced the physical body that Jesus indwelled upon this earth. God does not have a mom. Do you understand that? Go to Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 8. Okay? Here we have Jesus. Are the letters in red? Okay, this is Jesus speaking. I am Alpha and Omega. This is what Jesus said. The beginning and the ending. He's saying, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. That's like saying, I am the A and I am the Z. We saw earlier, I am the root and in the offspring. I am the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus just said, He's the Almighty. Jesus just said, He is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Go to Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 11. Skip down to verse 11. Saying, this is Jesus again, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book, and send those seven churches to our nation. He, he lifts off those churches. Go to verse 17, Revelation 1, 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, this is John speaking, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, this is Jesus, do what Jesus said to John, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Go to Hebrews chapter 7, just real quickly, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, I don't have time to develop this, study this out on your own, uh, or you, I'll, I'll point you to a sermon you can listen to online if you'd like to. Hebrews chapter 7 is dealing with this Old Testament character named Melchizedek, okay? If you're interested in learning about this, go on our website. There's a sermon I preached years ago called uh, something, the, the name Melchizedek, isn't it? The priesthood of Melchizedek, something like that. If you're interested in learning about that, you can do that. Melchizedek was an Old Testament priest. Now, I believe, and I believe I can prove from the Bible, Melchizedek is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. 
Okay? And if you don't believe me about that, just listen to the sermon or we can talk about it afterwards. But this verse is talking about Melchizedek. Now, I believe Melchizedek is Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, notice what it says about this man, Melchizedek. Hebrews 7.3, which I believe is Jesus Christ. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, that's Jesus Christ, abideth a priest continually. Okay, so here the Bible tells us that this Melchizedek, who is the Son of God, and we know who that is, Jesus Christ, he is without father, he is without mother, he is without descent, he does not have beginning of days nor end of life. Don't let some Catholics say, tell you, oh, let's pray to Mary, the mother of God. God has no mother. God has no beginning of days or end of life. He is, He was, He is to come, He is the Alpha, He is the Omega. Mary was the producer of the physical body of Jesus. Mary was not the mother of God. Okay, go back to Matthew 1. Wait, we're, I'm almost done, I promise. We just got to get through this. Matthew 1, look at verse 24. Matthew 1, verse 24. Mary was not the mother of God. You've got to understand that. Number two, this is my last little point. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. Who's ever heard of the Catholics teach that? Mary's a perpetual virgin. That's why they still call her the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary this, the Virgin Mary that. Let me tell you something. Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus Christ. She did not stay a virgin. And she's not, and they teach she's a perpetual virgin. She's a virgin for her whole life. No, she's not. Go to Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 24. See, this is what happens when, when you start actually reading and studying the Bible. You start realizing how wrong these false religions are. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 24. Let's do this quickly. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, okay? So he did not know her till, okay? He didn't know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. So after she brought forth her firstborn son, guess what? Then he knew her. Okay? Now let me just point this out to you. Her firstborn son. You see that? The fact that it says that that Jesus was the firstborn lets us know that there was other born. Do you understand that? If If she only had Jesus, then it would have been her only son. She gave birth to her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Go to Matthew 13. We're done right here. Matthew 13. Look at verse 53. Matthew 13, verse 53. I'll prove to you that Mary had more children than Jesus. Matthew 13, 53. Matthew 13, 53. Matthew chapter number 13 and verse 53. And it came to pass that when Jesus, who we're talking about? Jesus, right? Had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when they had come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Okay, so Jesus goes back home. He's now in his hometown, preaching. And they're like, how does this guy know so much? Verse 55. Notice, because he's in his hometown, okay? Is not this the carpenter's son? Talking about Joseph. And by the way, the Bible never said, people like, Jesus was, you know, I get so sick and tired of these liberal, I see these liberal uh, posters stuff. You know, Jesus, you know, a carpenter died for us. The Bible never calls Jesus a carpenter. The Bible says he was the son of a carpenter. Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a preacher. You understand that? Amen. The Bible doesn't say, you say, well, is it really a big deal? Look, it's a big deal because it's what the Bible says. People just put all this, these lies in the scripture. The Bible never says Jesus was a carpenter. It says that he was the carpenter's son. Alright? So look at verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son, Joseph? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren. You see that? So Jesus had brothers. Well, who are his brothers? James, Joseph, Simon, Judas. Judas is unfamiliar. We just spent six weeks preaching through the book of Jude. Who was the half-brother of Jesus. Who was the son of Mary and Joseph. Okay, now notice, verse 56. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Okay, so according to this verse, we know that Jesus had four brothers, and at the minimum, he had two sisters, because sisters is plural. So Jesus had at least six other kids. Mary the perpetual virgin, the mother of God. It's not in the Bible. She was not a perpetual... Don't call her the Virgin Mary. She had kids. She wasn't a virgin. She was a virgin when she gave birth to Christ. And then she knew her husband, had children, 
lived happily ever after. She's not a perpetual virgin, and she's dead sure not the mother of God. Mary was a wonderful woman. Mary was mightily used to God. But let me tell you something. Don't put Mary on some pedestal like she's some sort of a goddess, because she's not. She needed to be saved like anyone else. And praise the Lord for her, but don't get this in this guy. You know, especially, you know, the, it, it, when you get into the ghettos, like Northgate, everyone wants to say, Mary this, Mary that. They want to wear their little chain with Mary. Look, Mary, it's about Jesus Christ, not Mary. Right. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church, Lord. I pray you'd help us to realize who is the one we should be worshiping, who our attention should be on. It's Jesus Christ. We're thankful for Mary. We're thankful for the fact that she was used of you. But Lord, she was a human like anyone else. Help us not to put her on a pedestal. Father, we love you. I pray that you would help us to study the Bible, to learn the Bible. Lord, help us not to be offended when the Bible is preached. But to just realize, well, that's what the Bible says. And we got to decide whether we're going to follow it or not. And that's a choice that every individual has to make. It's not my place to make that choice for them. And I'm going to love them either way. I'm here to help them either way. But I'm also here to preach the Bible. Because at Verity Baptist Church, this church is not pastored by a hireling. It's not pastored by someone who's just interested in growing a crowd. It's pastored by someone who wants to preach the Bible. Help us to learn the word. Help us to love people. Help us not to judge people because they've sinned before. We've all sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one is better than anyone else. But help us to realize this is what the Bible says. We love you, Lord. In your precious name, my friend. Amen. All right. Well, let's take our songbooks and we'll sing one song before we dismiss. Let's go to page number 424. Page number 424. And we'll sing, Oh, come all ye faithful. 424. Oh, come all ye faithful. 424.